You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Hey, this month been beneficial to you, been restful, had, had time to breathe. Um, and even though you might not have been able to take a holiday, a couple of our guys went snow skiing last week. You enjoy it, boys? Come on. Snowboarding yet? Not nah, just skiing. That's for the young guys, isn't it? Yeah. Even though Emily wants to get you on the... All right. But you might not have been able to take a holiday, but you know, rest is more than just having time out. It's more than just clocking off. It's the ability and the choice to take a step back from the daily grind, take a deep breath and reflect on, hey, what's been going on? And then start looking at what's about to happen and taking that deep breath. And the team have preached some great sermons on it. You know, they, they've just done outstanding. I think Earl and I kicked the thing off. Yeah, that's right. And then you, where'd he go? He's gone. Nate and somebody else at, whoever was at Northwest, who was at Northwest that day, did restoration. No, you were last week. You were. You get to do two. That's good. They, they did a good job saying that there is no restoration without rest. And then last week, Darren, yeah, I could not believe he stood up here and said, I don't understand why Pastor Keith asked me to preach on enjoyment. Just hang around the office with him for a while. You just cannot be depressed around Darren. Um, if you're feeling depressed, just invite him over for dinner. Because he loves food and he loves fun. And, and he just preached a great message on enjoyment. So we, we just started down this little ac- acronym. Restoration. Enjoyment. And we'll keep going today. This is when we kind of, we step back from life. We find a place, wherever that is for you, where there's no intrusion. And, and, and you still your heart before God and you wait in his presence. It's amazing how many times in the Bible that the concept of waiting and rest are combined. Because there is no uh, kind of rest without getting away with God. And at the beginning of this month, you know, I, I, I encouraged all of us. I said, hey guys, spend time in the presence of God. Get along with him, but let his spirit begin to release you in areas that you're kind of striving, trying, working hard to get breakthrough in. All of us have these areas. Whether we want to admit it or not, we've got areas that we just kind of grit our teeth and go, oh God, do something. Spend some time in his presence. Just wait on the Lord. You'll get new strength. And, and you know, I can't speak for you, but I can certainly tell you that even though I've had freedom in my own life in places, there are still areas in my soul where I know I can go to a greater release and I'm just kind of waiting on God going, I'm going to get rest in that area this month. I tagged those and it was interesting. At the beginning of the month, I thought, right, we're going to get ready and I'm kind of a reader and I think about what I read. I'm going to go all the way through some stuff in the Bible. I have not been able to get off Psalm 116 every day, all month, just over and over and over in Psalm 116. I will say to my soul, rest, relax, chill out, take it easy. And the more time I give opportunity for God for that kind of rest, the greater my assurance begins to grow in Him. And so, you know, those of us that preach at the two campuses work together on the sermon. Even, I think about 10 o'clock last night, Darren is sending through text. He's the text guru. Don't let him trick you saying he puts that in a drawer at night. He needs to come back and confess lying to you. 
10 o'clock last night. He's sending me, oh, got this revelation, got that revelation. And it's good because I thought it was a great revelation. Because we work together, you know, when we're putting the sermons together, we preach the same sermon at both campuses, and we work together on that so we get revelation, we get unity, we get strength in our messages together. And Darren got this brilliant revelation. I'm going to pop it up on the screen. Rest isn't about managing my insecurity. It's about faith in Him to keep my heart secure. I don't know about you, but I've, I've tried to manage this whole idea of being secure. I feel like it's, it's some little thing God's given me, and I've got to work around the edges to keep it neat and tidy and keep it happening and all this. And you know what? I find myself striving again. I'm not resting. Rest is inherently linked to an issue of the soul that all of us value, and it's the S, security. There is no rest without security in any area of life. The polar opposite is what? Insecurity. You go to bed and your head's in that zone and you just don't sleep. You don't forget about it. You don't rest. And then you wake up in the morning and your spouse says, you feel restful? No, no. You're not secure. I just find it amazing that people study, they work, they engineer their circumstances in life just to get security. You do it all the time. Think about it. You do this in financial planning and management. Go through courses, take on this, do a diploma, invest in that. Why? So I can be secure. I mean, the boomers are just really panicking right now. Is it going to last for us? And then there are other people who have the health programs. Yeah, well, diets, gyms. Have you noticed how many gyms there are now? Lord have mercy. I wonder if it's ever going to phase out. Because people are afraid. They're just not going to be healthy anymore. I watch these guys at the gym. They're big shakes and they're pumping iron and they're doing all kinds of things. And, you know, they're doing anything and everything to stay secure and stay youthful. And then there's work and occupational things and... All of this is it's beneficial and it's necessary, but I wonder how much attention we give to equipping the soul for rest. Hmm. Good thought, isn't it? Isn't it ironic? We just work our freckle off to be secure. We put in long hours, we sweat, we discipline, we get medical advice, all kind of counseling and stuff like that, and then we go to bed and worry, is it all going to work out? Isn't it interesting? The psalmist said, God gives his beloved sleep. All the planning in the world is not going to help you sleep. If you're like me, that's the last thing you want to be doing before you go to bed. Listen, I'll even, I'll even caution you on this. Even what you watch on the tube before you go to bed will determine whether your mind is at a state of rest or whether it's... Like, don't watch Rambo before you go to sleep. Ain't going to happen. You wouldn't watch Rambo anyway, would you? I watch Forrest Gump and I sleep like a baby. Not true. I like the way the message puts uh, that verse I read earlier, Psalm 116.7. I said to myself, relax, rest. God has showered you with blessings. What are you worried about? In the end, you're not going to add a day to your life by worrying about it. You're not going to get better by worrying about it. You're not going to sleep by worrying about it. Because security gives us the ability to rest in our soul. If you're secure in your relationship, you're going to rest. If you're secure that God is your provider, you're going to rest. If you're secure that God has your health in His hands, you're going to rest. 
And Jesus made it very clear. And I, wanna, I just want to nail this right here at the beginning. Unapologetically. You can call me whatever theological name you want to. But I just call it Bible. Because Jesus made it very clear that we have a security that cannot be touched or taken away by anybody. Blessed assurance. Security that knows no end. I've been accused of all kinds of things for preaching this stuff. Like, oh, Keith turned to Calvinist. And I go, what does that actually mean? I just go, hey, I'm just preaching the Bible. And I know what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus said, I'll hold you in my hand and I'm not going to let you go and nobody's going to take you out. Because in John 10, that preeminent kind of scripture, he said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. Isn't it interesting he didn't say they know me. He said, I know them. Can I tell you it's more important that he knows you than you know him? I, I would rather be found in him than him in me. I know you go, it's not either or. It's not, but the Bible, uh, the Bible about 27 times more talks about being in him than him being in you. I think that's important. And Jesus said, I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. Now, when he says the word never, I can assure you in the Greek, never means never. It will never happen. You will never perish. You will never face judgment again or the flames of hell. You're free because nobody can snatch you out of my hand. Then just to make it even more secure, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my fathers are one. I and my father are one. People go, oh, that's at once saved, always saved. I don't like that phrase. I just like the phrase secure. Period. I like to say what the Bible says. I'm in his hand and you can't do anything about that. And I can't do anything about that. The devil can't do anything about that. I'm there. Period. The issue of eternity is settled. Isn't it interesting? At least two of the New Testament books had to be written to churches who got saved by grace, but then had to believe that they could keep it by works. And he had to correct that. He said, how can you, what, who has tricked you thinking that you have started by the Spirit, but now you've got to make it happen in the flesh? Isn't that interesting? There's absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing you or I could do to add to our eternal security. Nothing. So why worry about it? The Father planned it in sending His Son. Jesus secured it in going to the cross. The Holy Spirit sealed it at Pentecost. How can you now be unsealed when God has sealed it? I want you to think about that for a minute. So relax, rest, peace with God belongs to you and you belong to Him. Shouldn't be at unrest about this or insecure about this. And can I tell you that it doesn't matter how much more religious you become or how many religious things you do. Oh, if I don't get up and read my Bible 30 minutes every day, I'm going to slip back. What? Is that the only reason you read so you don't slip? Or do you read so you can hear his voice and know his love? I don't read because I'm afraid of what he'll do if I don't. I read because I like what he does when I do. It's simple. It's like, oh, wake up tonight and go, oh, I didn't tell Janet I love her. She's not going to love me tomorrow. How ridiculous is that? I mean... You know, you know what the guy said. He and his wife went to a counselor. After 20 years of marriage, should pick on Ian and Joy with that. And Yeah, come on, tell me what's going on. And she said, I, I, I want to separate from him. Why? He doesn't love me anymore. What makes you think that? He never says it. 
Counselor looks at the man and says, is that true? Yeah, that's true. I don't say it. And he said, why don't you say it? Because I told her 20 years ago that I loved her, and if I ever changed my mind, I'd let her know. That's the way a guy thinks. You know I love you. I haven't told you any different. Isn't that so ridiculous to be so insecure in a relationship that you just got to tick the boxes or else it's not going to work? That's not romance. That's fear. So relax. Rest. You belong to him. You're in him. Have you ever read the story? You ever heard of a guy, John Wesley? One of Britain's greatest, his, uh, greatest men in history. Um, I thought John and Charles were from a family of about eight children. I read the other day, 19 children Susanna Wesley had. Lord have mercy, what a woman. And she taught those kids constantly. Um, those kids, her kids, learned, learned Latin and Greek before they ever hit high school. All of them. Because she wanted them to read the Bible and all of that. Just so devoted. John Wesley, long, long... Now, you know he's the founder of the Methodist movement. Um, the Wesleyan movement. Really, really launched revival in Great Britain that spread like a wildfire. It was a revolutionary moment, uh, movement of its time. But before that happened... Did, did, have you ever read the story of John Wesley? You, you've read that uh, John was... Uh, um, he was actually training in ministry, went to, went to Christian, I think he went to Oxford, training in theology, involved in Christian clubs and leading them, and he finally got ordained as an Anglican priest. He went to the colonies in America to try to evangelize the Native Americans, and he tucked tail and went home depressed and defeated back in, in London going, what's this all about? He's an ordained priest. And he is still depressed because he doesn't know that he knows that he knows I'm a child of God. Because he, he just feels unworthy. I haven't done enough. I haven't earned it. And let me read you a story. This is recounting what happened to Wesley. But it was still a depressed Wesley who attended a service on the evening of the 24th of May. Wesley recounted his Aldersgate experience in his journal. In the evening, I went very unwillingly. Isn't that interesting? Oh, but you got to be so fervent and want it so desperately. And then God, you know, can I just kill a verse real quick and say that's been fulfilled in the New Testament? Seek God with all your heart and you will find him. God is not hiding from you. That's an Old Testament verse. Now, I'm not killing passion, but what I'm saying is God is not always running away from you. Listen, it, it, something changed at Pentecost. God is now within you. All right, here we go. Unwillingly. He went to this meeting where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. This is a theological kind of, well, so you think. About a quarter before nine, do you think our services are long? Here we go. While he was describing the change, the man speaking out of Romans, which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, not through religion, not through zeal, but through faith, I felt my heart strangely warmed. This is a guy who had served God for years in ministry, ordained as a priest. And now all of a sudden he's saying, oh, My goodness, something happened in his heart. Why? Simply because faith comes by hearing the word. There's grace in that word. And then all of a sudden, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did. Look at his language. This is a guy that knows Latin, Hebrew, Greek, preaching for years. And now all of a sudden, he has turned to something changed inside of him. 
not here, here. I, I felt I did trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. I wonder how many people sit in church week after week, serving God at different things, go home, and when they lay down at night, there is no security of their soul. Hey, if I, if I didn't wake up, I don't know where I'd end up. I remember saying to Janet's mother once, who was, man, I tell you, I think Janet's mom's an incredible godly woman, grown up in church all her life. I mean, she, she was, she'd been a member of church since nine months before she was born. The same church, the only church, loved God, read her word. But I said to her when I first met her, as you do, as a prospective son-in-law, I couldn't help it, I'm me. And I just said, ah, oh, so you know if you died tonight, your home would be heaven. I just say that to people. Isn't that normal? Did you say that to uh, her mother when you met Maria? Of course you did. <laughs> did he? Mar- no. And you know what she did? To my shock, she, she gave me an answer that I wasn't expecting. She said, no, no one can know that. I went, why? And she said, because you don't know if you've been good enough. Don't know if you've done enough. Don't know if you missed a sin and didn't confess it before you went to sleep. And I went, my goodness, what kind of salvation is that? I want to tell you, salvation has been settled. Security comes by faith in God's work. And, and the deal is this, guys, you cannot be robbed of this. Let that settle on you for a minute. He said, nobody's able to snatch them out of my father's hand. You can't be robbed of this. Or better yet, can I say this? He can't be robbed of you. Don't think of it like, I can lose something. You think of it, can he lose you? Whoops, whoops, whoops. There goes Jamie. I've lost him today. Like, how ridiculous is that thinking? Or, get out of there, devil. Get, oh, he got Jamie today. Your security doesn't depend on your ability to hang on. It depends on his grip. Be secure in his grip. Nobody can snatch you out of my father's hand. Jesus said that. So let's just settle this once and for all here and now. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. Holy Spirit. Jesus said when you came that you would bring us into all truth. And the truth of this word right now is that by faith we are saved. By faith we are born again. By faith we are in you. By faith we rest in the palm of the Father and can never be snatched out. So Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to do a work in hearts and lives. I know there are people who just can't seem to get to that place of security. So I believe this is the moment, like with John Wesley, they're hearing a word of faith where you said, no man can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I believe that word of faith is going to create that moment of assurance to know their sins are forgiven. Their soul is set free. They're secure in you. So Holy Spirit, you do the work that I could never do. I can't see inside minds and hearts. But you know right now, every heart, every mind. And I know you can move in such a way to break any chains. Chains of doubt, chains of insecurity, chains of guilt. Where people 
still feel condemned for something they've done. And you can bring them into a moment of true sonship, secure in you, just with your heads bowed and eyes closed. You just need to settle this now. And I think there's a moment where we surrender. Because the Father is gracious. He never forces it, yet He offers it. And He offers you to come into His world by faith. Once that happens, He wraps His hand around you and says, Mine, forever mine. And you don't have that security and that assurance right now in your heart and in your mind. Let's settle it right now. It can happen in a moment. And if that's you, I want you to just do an act of surrender. Say, I I need to settle this. Maybe you have trusted Christ, but you just can't come to assurance. Or maybe you've never come to the point where you've, you've just totally believed in everything he did at the cross to pay for your sins. That Jesus was crucified for our sins and that he was buried and that he was raised again on the third day to give us new life. And you've never done that. You've never trusted in that. Why not right here, right now, settle that moment? Why don't you make that surrender? You can sense it. There's, there's something going on inside you. you. Your breathing is changing. You're, you're feeling uneasy. And yet it's the moment where the Holy Spirit's bringing you to that point of surrender for assurance. But he's asking you, will you come? Will you believe? Will you trust me? And if that's who you need to do that today, we want to stand with you in that. I'm not going to call you to the front, but as a moment of surrender saying, look, I need to, nobody knows this. They think I'm okay, but I just can't get this secure. I'm surrendering to God right here, right now. To trust in Him. Just stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. If that's you, you've really wrestled with this issue of assurance, security, knowing that you are His forever. Let's settle that here and now. Don't go away from here without that taking place. Just quietly stand to your feet. You could have been religious all your life, like John Wesley, brought up as a child in the Word of God, but it was a moment in the presence of God that changed him from the inside out. He was even ordained as a priest, everything. All our religious efforts and achievements will not gain us that moment of security. And if that's you, just stand right now. We're just going to pray together. Just to nail that assurance once and for all. I'm going to give you a moment. Let the Holy Spirit work. Good for you. Anybody else? Don't look around. It's not about anybody else. It's about you and God right now. And if you need to stand, stand. We're just going to pray a prayer. Good for you. Anybody else? We don't want to miss this moment. There's all kind of things that stop people from knowing that they know that they know. Settle it today. Just give it a moment. Anybody else stand? Don't let fear, don't let pride, don't let doubt stop this moment for you. God is calling you. Just going to wait. I know it's uncomfortable to wait, but let's just wait a little bit longer.
So, Father, right now, for those who are standing, I pray just an amazing sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit on them, once and for all, speaking your word into their soul, saying, by the cross, you are set free. By the cross, you are made clean. By the cross, you are made acceptable to me. You've come to me, and I will in no wise turn you away. So come to me, and trust me, and believe in me. So Father, I pray right now in this moment that inside their soul, just an encounter with the Holy Spirit and your word taking place, that will settle this once and for all. No more doubt, no more fear, no more wonder but a deep sense of your presence assuring them. As your word says in Romans 8, your spirit tells our spirit that we really are God's children. Just let that happen right now. Holy Spirit, do what no human being can do. Reach inside their soul and just whisper to them, you belong to the Father. You're His forever. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys, listen. I want to tell you, though, with that settled... And that done, we need to be aware, though, there's still a battle for our security. I'm not going to pretend there's not. But it's not the security of salvation. That's done. It's the security of our soul. That's where the battle takes place. Come on, we, we all face this in our feelings, our thoughts, our personality, the inner person. There is a battle that goes on. We have an enemy who knows. And listen, he knows this. He knows he cannot rob you of your salvation. He cannot get to you and make you unsaved. There is no such word in the Bible as unsaved. You're his. And the enemy knows that. So what does he do? He, he'll do the next best thing. He can't rob you of your eternal life, but he will rob you of life here and now. That's what he does. And the, and the thing that he does with this, I call it the curse of insecurity, the black plague of the soul. I think Chris Vallotton said this is the most insidious work, demonic work of the enemy against the Christian to make them insecure. It's the thing that will cripple them as a Christian. These are the times when it, it seems like, hey, the world is against me. Nobody is for me. I even wonder if God is there. Do you know King David had times like that? Psalm 55 is one of those times. I want to read that to you. It's an amazing psalm. Psalm 55 verse 1, listen to my prayer, O God, and do not ignore my plea. Do you hear what he's saying? Where are you? Like, you're not there. You're not listening. How come it seems like I'm praying and it's just bouncing off the roof back to me? This is one of those moments for David. Hear me. Answer me. Watch his next phrase. My thoughts trouble me and I'm distraught. I mean, this sounds like a guy who's not secure. I'm distraught at the voice of the enemy and the stares of the wicked, for they bring down suffering upon me and they revile me in anger. I mean, this is pretty... Then the next one, my heart is, with, is, with, is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Called panic attacks. They didn't have a scientific definition back then. But imagine David lying down at night and he just can't breathe. God's not even there. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Those, that's, that's, that's pretty insecure moments. 
If you had those, you know, I can't pay the bills. I, I think my marriage is falling apart. I think life is, you know, it's such a sad thing just watching the news last night. A young teenage boy took his life simply because he could not, he could not have enough strength to overcome the stuff, the cyber bullying that was happening to him. Isn't that amazing? That somebody in their teens would think life is no longer worth living because of all this bullying that's going on on the internet. Yeah, that, is the, that is the depths of insecurity. And it's out there, people. It's so big. There are campaigns against this kind of stuff. And this is when you get to the stage of insecurity that it seems like escape is the best option. That's what suicide is. You know that. It's a way of escape. So they think. And David just wanted to run and hide from the things of the people that cause this insecurity. Let me take you to verse 6. He keeps on. He goes, I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. Now, David's a warrior. He's a man of war. Why in the heck did he say a dove and not an eagle? Like... David, that's a bit puffy. I mean, you're a man of blood. Yeah, I thought for sure you'd pray to have a falcon, an eagle, mate, or even a vulture. But a dove, why a dove? Well, you know, eagle is a bird of prey in war. What's a dove? A bird of peace. He didn't want more war. He didn't want to fight for it. He wanted to rest. He said, I'd fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert again. Why in the heck do you want to go to the desert? This remote, isolated, dry place where there's nobody? Right. Nobody's the key. Because when you're in a dark space, even a desert alone is better than a comfortable place with opposition. That's what David's saying. Selah. You know what that means in the Hebrew? It's, it's a musical pregnant pause that says, oh, I'm just going to think about what I just said so I measure what I'm about to say. That's what he's just done. So here's what I'd do. I wouldn't hesitate. I would hurry away from this place. I would get to that shelter where I'm as far away from this storm as I can be. You ever been like that? Oh, sure you have. Sure you have. Maybe you didn't want to be a dove. But sure you have. You retreated to a bottle, a pill, a therapist, a screen. Sure you have. I was reading one of the most tragic stories. A guy in South Carolina. I'm trying to remember his name. Golly. His church, he's a good friend of Stephen Furtick's. His church is about three times, what? Perry Noble. Thank you. Church about three times larger than... Uh, Stephen Furtick's. He got stood down from the church that he uh, founded and pioneered that was about 35,000 strong. Do you know why he got stood down? The bottle. He got to the stage at nights where his mind went to the place, okay, I have a wine now and then. And a wine turned into another wine and another wine and a bottle and another bottle because he couldn't rest without the bottle. This is a man standing up seeing tens of thousands of people born again into the kingdom and he still couldn't find rest. Sure you have. Listen, you, you need to admit it. It seems like the best option when you're engulfed by insecurity. You want to run and hide, don't you? You can, you can run by just sitting in front of a TV or a computer. You ever find yourself like that? I slink into my Jason in the back room, and the TV's on, and I'm just brain dead. 
I'm like a, I'm like a brain dead zombie. Yeah. I know I'm in trouble when I'm like that. I know I'm not resting. You need to be careful because social media can be a killer in an insecure time. I just see what they're saying on Instagram. Don't do that. Don't do that because social media can actually make it worse. You know, it happens. I I don't feel good about life, so I'm just going to see what's trending out there. Facebook, Instagram. I'll tell you what's trending. The world's great. Everything's big. Everything's best. I mean, they could be sitting eating a hamburger, and it's the biggest, best hamburger they've ever had. They go snow skiing, and it was the most awesome snow skiing trip that anybody could ever do. And uh, I'm sorry you're not here. And you're going, yes, oh, my. You know what happens? We start looking at it, and we look at our world and go, why does my world suck? And their world is so good. Do you think they put their sucky world on on Instagram? Steve Furtick writes about this. I would suggest every one of you to get one of these. Crash the chatterbox. Time doesn't permit to go through some of the stuff in here that he talks about, but one of those things that he does talk about is the issue of when you're not in a good place to get on social media and see what's trending, and it'll take you to the place of comparison. Mm. And the problem with comparison is when you read their highlights, here's what he says, one of the main reasons we struggle with insecurity, we're comparing our behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reel. I'm looking at my world and going, why is mine so bad and theirs is always good? Have you noticed they, they always talk with superlatives? Biggest, best, funnest, happiest, prettiest, whatever. And the reality is that insecurity is going to find you wherever you run to. Listen to me. Because insecurity is a state of the soul. It's not the result of circumstances. And it's going to follow you wherever you run to, whether it be the internet, a pill, a bottle of therapist, a relationship. And when you get trapped in this dark place, you know what happens? You're going to find in that insecure place that the source can be very surprising to you. You ever thought about that? Um, David goes on and says this in verse 12 of Psalm 55. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could get away from enemies. I know how to... Avoid my, my opponents. Instead, it's you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. You know what he's saying? It's not an enemy, it was a friend. You might be surprised sometimes where some of the most insecure attacks come from. But in reality, it's not them. It's what the enemy's doing because of what happened. It's that whole issue of people, isn't it? Just people, people. Lord have mercy. Life would be fun without people. Don't you think that? Janet was, uh, Janet was thinking about this whole issue of trusting people recently. I, I, okay to share this? Better be because it's going on the screen in a minute. <laughs> I didn't ask your permission this morning. I thought you wouldn't mind. You're secure enough. We're just talking about that whole issue of trusting people. How can you trust people when they just betray you and they say things about you and do that stuff? If you ever, ever want people to totally love you, don't go in the ministry. 
I'm serious. Don't be a boss. Don't do anything. We had an old, old preacher say to us in leadership back in the 70s, if you want everybody to like you, nobody to dislike you, then be nothing, say nothing, do nothing. Then they won't know you exist. But the moment you do, somebody's going to oppose you. They'll say things about you. And Janet was just talking to the Lord and saying, God, what is this? How can we trust people? And she said the Lord spoke back to her, gave her this revelation. She shared it at the pastor's retreat last week. And here's what he said to Janet. I never commanded you to trust people. I told you to trust me and to love people. Hmm. Think about it for a minute. Just think about that for a minute. He doesn't love you because he trusts you. Have you ever offended him? Of course you have. He still loves you. Have you ever broken trust with him? Maybe. He still loves you. Love and trust aren't the same thing. Oh, but I've got to trust somebody before I can love them. Then you can't be like God. And he made it very clear. Let me, let me clarify this for a moment. This is going to, you, you're probably going, this sounds bad. Keith's saying we shouldn't trust people. We, shouldn't, we should never have close relationships and all that stuff. And we should always be suspicious and afraid that somebody's going to betray me. That's not what we're saying. We're saying it happens. But do you still love them? Do you have to trust them before you love them? Did Jesus trust you? No, he said this. This is my commandment. Not that you trust one another, but you love one another as I've loved you. How's that? Unconditional? I mean, he said that before Peter betrayed him. You ever think about that? Matter of fact, he said, Peter, you're going to betray me three times tonight. Never me! Yeah, you are. But still... Learn how to love people because I love you. And I still will even after you betray me. That's an amazing moment, guys. And as much as we need relationships that are healthy and they create a safe environment, ultimately there's only one relationship that can give us security and rest for all time. And that's Him. In Him. That's where true security is found. David found it, by the way. Isn't it good the Psalms don't end up going, life sucks. Listen, verse 22. This is what David found. Cast your burden on the Lord. He thought it was only Jesus that said that. No. Long before New Testament times, David said, cast your burden. Those things that are weighing your soul down, put them on him. He is the one who will sustain you. He will hold you. He will keep you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. That's a pretty strong statement. That's pretty secure. So I kind of decided through the week, right, security, insecurity, right, yeah, okay, thanks for letting me do that one, Lord. I decided, all right, I'm going to do what, I, what, what really works for me. I'm just going to go through all of the Psalms, all of them this week. And I'm going to mark down everywhere that talks about our security in Him. And the Psalmist Use phrases like, he's our shield, our defender, our refuge. We are preserved in him. He hides us under the shadow of his wings. He is our rock, our fortress. He sustains and holds us. And I found that there are at least 70 times in the Psalms where these phrases and phrases like that are used to talk about our security in him. He hides us. I don't hide with him. He hides me in security. So let's go back to that revelation Darren got. 
Rest isn't about managing my insecurity. I just need, I need some advice. I need some therapy. I need some counsel on how to manage these thoughts that keep plaguing me. No, it's about faith in Him to keep my heart secure. I need to stop trying to create or manage my soul and instead surrender my soul and rest in Him. It's kind of like the man who trusts in God and God is awesome and he even gets to the place where above everything else I give reverence to God. The psalmist says in verse 6, surely this kind of person will never be shaken. The person who believes in God, who gives his life to God will never be shaken. This kind of person will be remembered forever. You know, you can, you can work feverishly to be remembered, to get a name for yourself. I'll tell you, God can do that for you like that. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Look at the next verse. His heart is secure. Right in here, in here. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in his triumph. He will look in triumph on his foes. In the end. In the end. Rest. Restoration. Enjoyment. Security. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.